Hello, and welcome to Message in the Middle with Marianne. We all know that life is hard, right? It's messy, it's unpredictable, but it can be wonderful all at the same time. My hope is that we can take a deep dive into self-development topics and explore life's lessons through book clubs, conversations, and interviews. And together, we can uncover the lessons that others have already learned to help us navigate this crazy, wonderful ride called life. Hello and welcome to Message in the Middle with Marianne. Today I'm bringing you a solo episode, yep, just me, so I can share some thoughts on our recent book club book, The 5am Club by Robin Sharma. The 5am Club is a self-help book. It was published back in 2018 and it's a little bit different than most self-help personal development type books in that The 5am Club plays out this fictional story about four people who meet at a leadership conference, four people you would probably never anticipate getting together, but they do join forces and they go on this unique journey to learn from each other and really to transform their lives. So the main concept of the book is the idea that waking up at 5am every day to take control of your life and achieve your goals will pivot you to a transformation. So the author provides a morning routine that includes exercise, meditation, and learning. He calls it the 20-20-20 formula. This is really actually one of just many formulas that are within the book. There's tons of practical and tactical advice on sort of how you can frame up uh, transformation. But the 20-20-20 formula tells us to spend the first 20 minutes of the day by exercising, followed by 20 minutes of meditation, and then 20 minutes of learning, such as reading or listening to a podcast like this one. But the important thing to note here I want to really call out is that while the book does put this or position this from a 5 a.m. standpoint, starting this 2020 formula at 5 a.m. every day and taking that first hour of your day to do these things. The 5 a.m. is not set in stone. And I know a lot of people kind of got hung up on the title of the book and thought, oh, I'll never get up at 5 a.m. This book's not for me. But there's several spots in this book where the author actually you know, calls that out, reinforces that you should just take these principles and make them your own and fit them into your life how they best work. So the 5am idea is about getting up early enough in the day where you're still having quiet, where your normal busyness hasn't really gone into play, your normal schedule hasn't kicked in. So you can implement this 20-20-20 formula without having to struggle with yourself or competing priorities and all the normal demands of life. All right, so let's dig into some of the segments that really caught my attention and made me really think or really resonated with me. Honestly, you guys, there's a ton Like my book is covered in stickies and highlights and it really just was packed with really, like I said, tactical advice and things that resonated and various frameworks that you can implement. But I'm just calling out some of the ones that really jumped out at me. So I'm going to start with, you know, the first couple of chapters, so chapters one through four. So there was a quote that said, Adults are deteriorated children. 
When you were much younger, you understood how to live. Staring at the stars filled you with delight. Running in the park made you feel alive, and chasing butterflies flooded you with joy. Then, as you grew up, you forgot how to be human. You forgot how to be bold and enthusiastic and loving and wildly alive. Your precious reservoirs of hope faded. Being ordinary became acceptable. End quote. Boy, did this resonate with me. Right out of the gate, it caught my attention. And many of you know that for this year, my word is fun. And I found myself in a six-month pause about a year and a half ago, and I was between jobs and took some time to myself to really get quiet. And I realized I had been so busy being, doing, chasing all the things that somehow lost my ability to slow down, to loosen up to really cultivate and invite fun into my life. And this is something I'm really working on. In fact, spoiler alert, I have a few podcast episodes coming up on this topic because I've actually heard from others of, you know, of you in our group and listeners that have this same sort of lack of fun and joy and ability to loosen up in their lives. So I'm going to try to help us find some ways to do that. But this thought about how we forget how easy it was to find joy in our youth also made me think about a word I've really been latching onto lately, and that's unlearning. I didn't invent the word or the concept. I learned it somewhere along the way as I started leaning into working on myself and transformation. But the more I talked with people in the personal development space, the more I realized that those voices we're all dealing with in our heads the limiting beliefs that often box us in and hold us back, they've been growing in there for years. They're a result of so many different influences along the way. And as we start to awaken in our 40s, 50s, 60s, the hard work of recognizing them, learning to ignore them, even figuring out where they came from is really how the reframing of our mind begins. And that's what the phrase of unlearning means to me. It's the work required to push beyond those voices, those influences, those doubts. It's the work that allows us to move out of our comfort zone, to grow in ways we didn't even think was possible, and to find peace, fulfillment, and real joy in our lives. Another one of my favorite quotes out of this section of the book was, one I've seen play out in my own life in the last few years. And it was walking into the very things that scare you is how you reclaim your forgotten power and how you get back the innocence and awe you lost after childhood. The tragedy of life is not death, but what we let die inside us while we live. I'm just going to say that last part again. The tragedy of life is not death, but what we let die inside of us while we live. Wow, that's kind of deep if you think about it. And as many of you know, when I switched jobs after 25 years and walking towards this journey of podcasting a little over a year and a half ago, a little over a year ago for the podcast, they were both things that really scared the heck out of me. But the truth is, they were both steps in me reclaiming my power and finding myself again. Not the woman I appeared to be, but the person I had once been with different hopes and dreams and passions. They all got lost in the busyness of the day-to-day life. And so pushing beyond my comfort zone, pushing beyond your comfort zone, 
a place that sometimes isn't even comfortable anymore is where we often find our best selves. It's where the magic comes back into our lives and our lights begin to shine again. So think about that a little bit and think about just leaning into the things that scare you. Be brave. I've talked about this a lot lately because it's been so impactful in my life. And I know there's so many of you guys that are on the cusp of trying something new or recalibrating your priorities. And I just want you to know it's worth it and you don't have to have all the answers. Just go forward. The last one in this section was all change is hard at first, messy in the middle and gorgeous at the end. What a great quote. We all know that change is hard. It's hard and it's complicated and sometimes it takes multiple tries, but staying in place is hard too if you're not fulfilled. So have the courage to walk towards your goals, even if you don't have all the answers, even if it's a little bit messy, even if it's a path that's sort of winding and takes a little bit of of retrying to get there. It'll be worth it to see what's on the other side. All right, so let's move into chapters five through seven. It's only when you get away from the noise and nuance and be quiet and tranquility that you remember who and all you're truly meant to be. Again, I mean, this ties right into what I said previously, and it jumped out of the page at me. After leaving a 26-year career in 2021, one that I love, 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 loved, and honestly, who really defined me. It it really was what I used to define me for so many years. But when I took six months off and I did some self-reflection, and it was the first time I really got quiet enough in many, many, many years to actually remember who I was outside of my career, who I had really wanted to be years and years ago, what lit me up and what my real gifts were, they weren't gone, but they definitely were hidden. And it wasn't until I slowed down and got really quiet that I was able to see the signs that were there all along and lean back into those things. So this quote really jumped out at me. Another quote that really resonated with me was when the entrepreneur said, I've been trying to fill the void that he left when he left by pushing myself to exhaustion in my work with the belief that when I'm even more successful, I'll get the love I lost. Well, while I didn't lose my father at a young age like the entrepreneur, this quote did hit me pretty hard because many people let me down at a young age when I got pregnant in college and I needed them most. Pulling myself through that was step one, but somewhere along the way, it wasn't enough for me. I guess I thought I had to work my tail off and earn all those things, you know, the big job, the big title, the big house, the big salary, etc., etc., to show everyone that I was strong enough and successful enough that I could do it without anyone's help. But I also think I was trying to feel safe, not let myself be at risk again, not be, you know, scared and alone with no money, no support, and honestly, literally nothing. The problem is I got lost in all of that. My priorities got out of whack and work became my dopamine hit, my safety net and my addiction, all of those things. But I never even realized it until that six months pause many, many years later. So what I offer up to you with this quote is that you reflect on if there's anything in your life that you're using to fill a different void. We all have we really do all have some types of addictions. And 
whether that's food and, and eating, emotional eating, or if it's, you know, spending too much money and, you know, shopping to fill the void or working to fill the void, workaholic, I just suggest that you kind of look at that and see what it is you're trying to fill and why, and see if you can pivot on that. All right, there was another quote in this section that said, I heard a man say he needed to lose weight before he could start running. Imagine that, lose the weight so he could initiate the running habit. This one was pretty good, something I really only got comfortable with in the last year or so when I realized perfection was a myth and good enough is often good enough, that all it takes to move towards being the type of person you want or getting the goal that you want is one step. You don't need to know all the steps or all the answers. You don't need to be in the perfect condition. You don't need to be quote unquote ready. If you want to be a runner, but you're heavy and unfit, walk at first, then alternate walking and running or run really, really slowly. Just take a step toward your desired state and be that person. Say, I am a runner and just embody what that means. Don't wait for yourself to be ready or for you to think you're ready. It may never come. Just do it. Like Nike says, just do it. You will be a runner or you will be fit, or you will be healthy, whatever it is you're striving for. At the beginning of chapter eight, on the very first page of that chapter, we get a great reminder. No idea works until you do the work. Well, how true is that? You can have the best idea ever, but until you take steps to make it come to fruition, it's not real. You have to take the steps. You have to take action. Thinking and knowing is not enough. Researching is not enough. You have to do the work. We've seen this over and over and over. There's something about this in almost all of the books we read. You have to take the action and it has to be consistent. Take some steps, move forward. You'll start moving in the direction you wanna move into. Chapter 10 is stop managing your time and start managing your focus. This is a good concept, and it ties into some of the concepts that we discussed on podcast with strategist uh, Jamie Campanella. I'll put the link in the show notes for anyone that hasn't listened or wants to re-listen, but the general concept is talking about the fact that we really need to look at what matters to us. We really need to make sure we're being honest with ourselves. And we're holding time in our calendars for those things that we say are our priority. We can't focus on everything and only the highest priority things can be ensured to get time. And those things in alignment with our core goals and values and beliefs should take precedence. But again, we really need to be honest with ourselves. We can't sit around saying that our focus is on health and then not find time to exercise or cook healthy meals. If health is really our top priority, we'll cut out other things to make time. Cut out TV, cut out social media, cut out sitting on the couch doing nothing. I don't know, but you will find time to exercise and make or buy healthy meals if that is truly your priority. Stop managing your time and start managing your focus. Pay attention to what's really important, what your goals are, and work those things into your calendar. 
chapter 12 starts right out of the gate reminding us that to be great at something, to rise above the mediocrity of life, it doesn't take natural born talent as much as it takes commitment, discipline, resilience, and perseverance. That ambition without implementation is a ridiculous delusion. Well, how about that for a quote? But it's true, right? You can dream, you can want, you can research to death, but getting your goal is going to take consistent action. I just mentioned that above. It will take commitment and follow through even when life gets hard. Actually, especially when life gets hard, especially when you don't feel like doing it. Small, daily, seemingly insignificant improvement, when done consistently over time, yield staggering results. That was another quote. And it's true. And it's not information that's new to us, but it warrants a reminder. Most of us want to reach our goals through one gigantic event or change. Most of us want it to be easy. But the reality is that most of us will reach our goals only through dedication and commitment to incremental change that we repeat over and over and over. We have to be dedicated and excuseless and following through. So what is it that you really want to change? And what excuses do you let get in your way? I mean, how many times have you set off on another diet, another exercise goal, another financial goal, career-related goal, whatever it is, and abandoned it when it doesn't happen fast enough? Making progress takes getting consistent action in place. It takes a long time to string those consistent habits together those incremental changes to get where you want to go. All right, I'll I'll get off my soapbox. So let's move to chapters 16 and 17. So I enjoyed them. The content resonated with me and my transformation over the last couple of years. So one thing that jumped out at me was the twin cycles of elite performance. So for many years, as I built my career, I focused way more on work than I should have. As I mentioned, I used work as a sign of external validation. It became who I was, proof that I could make something of myself despite getting pregnant as a college freshman. And at times, it actually became a distraction to hide from hard things going on in my personal life. And I didn't incorporate a cycle of rest, which is what this whole chapter is about, that you have to work really, really, really hard, but you also have to rest really, really hard. And I know I found myself, even when I was quote unquote resting or downtime off work, running around like a crazy woman, chasing something, a calendar of full of things, um, and never really was present, never really had a lot of moments um, where I was just slowing down enough to take it all in. And that is something I do regret and something I definitely focus on now. So I think the key here to this chapter, and it's a good reminder to all of us, is we should work really hard at whatever we're focused on, but we need to also work really hard at bringing rest and fun into our lives. Another thing that I connected with in this chapter was the quote, the time you least feel like doing something is the best time to do it. And part of the reason for this is because when you enlarge your willpower muscle in one important area, your self-discipline in every other area rises with you, end quote. This is definitely something I continue to work on. So for me, this most often shows up around my journey with healthy eating and exercise. Learning to do it, even when I don't feel like doing it, 
is definitely something I've been working on. And I continue to work on and I suspect I'll continue to need to work on for a long time. But becoming a person who keeps her word to herself, the same as I do with others, it's important to me. And just because I don't feel like doing something in the moment doesn't mean I shouldn't. If I want to reach my goals, I need to do it regardless. And nine times out of 10, if I push myself to do it, I feel really great afterward. So it's just building this discipline around doing what you said you were going to do, being consistent, even when you don't feel like it, and knowing that eventually it'll pay off. But I think the thing I loved most about this chapter was the advice around using joy as a GPS. So follow your joy. Only be around those people who fuel your joy. Only perform those pursuits that feed your bliss. Only be in those places that make you feel most alive. Oh, I'm trying to live like this. But as Mr. Riley points out in the book, it's a process. One that takes work and of course has complications like, I mean, only be around people that bring you joy. Well, some of us have family members, for example, that don't always bring joy and aren't always positive, but we can't always remove ourselves from them completely. Same thing with situations. Some of us are tied to a job that we can't leave and maybe that's not bringing us a lot of joy. But like all the other lessons in this book, the goal is to understand the ideal and then tweak it to a level that you can work with in your life. So fill your world with joy and minimize the things that deplete you as much as you can. Again, you guys, this is something I am working on and I am going to bring you some podcast episodes around. I think we can all use more joy, more fun, more rest, more play. And I feel like all of us that are going through this transformational time in our midlife need a reminder on how to cultivate that. So hopefully, hopefully we'll find some advice and some experience that will help us move forward with that and and get better at it. So I guess overall, I, I would say for me, the book's a thumbs up and it was very well received from our book club participants. In fact, there's someone in the book club that was so thankful that we did this book that she bought several copies and was giving them out as gifts. And she couldn't stop thanking me for bringing this book to her attention. And she said it really changed her life. It's a really unique way of bringing us tactical information on, you know, mindset change and helping us build a framework for transformation. But it it delivers it through this fictional story that honestly, some of us didn't like in the book club and some of us really did like in the book club. But even if you don't like it, if you can get past the story presentment of the data, it really has a lot of information, a lot of great concepts packed into it. The most important message of the 5 a.m. club by Robin Sharma is that developing a daily routine that includes waking up before your normal time, maybe 5 a.m., maybe not, and engaging in personal development activities consistently can lead to significant improvement in your life. It reminds us that by intentionally choosing positive habits and behaviors, you can transform your life and achieve greater success and fulfillment both personally and professionally. Again, I give it a thumbs up. And if you haven't read it, I suggest you do. 
It's a fun read. I thought I was one of the people that thought the story was great and helped us consume and digest the information that was being presented. And it was kind of fun because there were a lot of things that you weren't expecting to happen happen along the way. So I thought that that element added to it versus just being another personal development book. So again, I'm going to I'm going to leave you here and just remind you that consistency is key. Building a framework with routine and a consistent habit is important. String those things together and start moving towards whatever your goals are. Thanks for listening, you guys. I hope to catch you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Message in the Middle with Marianne. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to share it and write a review as it helps bring new listeners to our audience. If you'd like to keep the conversation going between episodes, please join us at Facebook group Message in the Middle with Marianne.